0: Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: it's hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Had a fun-filled hour number one, taking a look back at some college football, some NBA. Now here in hour number two. Gonna be taking a look forward to some college basketball that we're gonna be having on this big giant Saturday in the final hour. We're really gonna be going hard and heavy on college football as well. So we've got a little bit of everything covered. Going to be hitting on a little bit of NBA in this hour. Going to be hitting on some NFL props as well. So we've got a little bit of it all here with regards to the Saturday ahead. And when it comes to Saturday ahead, we've got my New York Post play today. I give one out every single day when it comes to the college basketball season. When it's baseball season, I give one out for baseball as well. Hopefully, we wind up getting a baseball season, so that would be very, very nice, or else I will be very bored during the summer, as I'm sure that many of you guys are going to be as well, but with that said, the play that I wanted to giving out for the New York Post, we go with a Pac-12 conference game, which, yeah, it's really weird saying that, I understand that, but 679, 680 on the bagging board, you've got Washington State against USC, this opens up USC being a one-point favorite, in some spots, you've got USC as a one-point favorite. I'm seeing one book with Washington State as a one-point favorite. Most books, though, it's a pick'em game. So, I'm mean pretty much, you're going to be taking a look at relatively a pick'em, One-point favorite, one-point underdog. Juice is going to move around a little bit. But with that said, you've got a pretty dead-even line total on this game. Has risen up a little bit. Started out at 138.5. Now you're finding it between a 139.5 and a 140. I'm seeing a straight 138.5 out there. That is with Juice to the over. But... With that said, New York Post play of the day, I'm going to be going with Washington State. Now, I'm going to make the bold proclamation that they aren't going to be able to hold USC to 29 points like they did against Arizona State. Because, well, USC has a coach that would actually rather coach his players rather than yell at the refs. I'm looking at you, Bobby Hurley. I have no idea how he has a job right now. But with that said, very good showing from Washington State on defense in that game. And you've really got a pair of teams that do a solid job on defense. When it comes to both of these teams, they do a good job with regards to two-point shooting defense. Both of these teams right around number 25 in the country with regards to rebound rate. As of yesterday, they were 24th and 25th. might have shifted around a little bit in the last 24 hours, but both of these teams relatively even even when it comes to glass. But when I take a look at Washington State, I think that they're going to be able to win this game in the backcourt. They've got a very experienced backcourt with it being headlined by a pair of guys in Michael Flowers. Tyrell, Ghost Roberts, along with Williams as well. We're going to give them actually the trio in this because they are combining for 39 points per game. Flowers and Williams both give you right around two and a half assists per game. You really don't have that one main facilitator for Washington State. But when it comes to Kyle Smith, he does what he always likes to coin it as nerd ball. And they do a great job of just being able to play a little bit of positionless basketball. Mohamed Gay has come in and he's been tremendous, one of the best freshman recruits that they have gotten in a very long time. They're able to give you seven points, five and a half rebounds per game. And something that I think really needs to be kept in mind is that you've got a team from Los Angeles and they're traveling to Pullman, Washington. That is always something that you want to keep in mind because when it comes to some of these college basketball games, you've got teams that they go from like these big markets, they go from these flashy cities, and then they wind up going to Let's call it what it is, a little bit of a smaller city. I was going to call it Nowheresville, but I've actually been to Pullman, Washington myself. The people there are very, very good. I have nothing but respect for those out there in the great state of Washington in general, but certainly... It is not Los Angeles. I think that we can all agree on that. But you do take a look at this USC team as well. And they wind up bringing back Isaiah Mosley, a guy that's able to give you 13 and a half points. He's able to chip in their nine rebounds. A guy that at right around six 11, 7 feet tall, is able to shoot threes as well. So got some good versatility there. Boogie Ellis is able to do a nice job what I think is really big with Washington State and what they're doing as well, they just don't turn the ball over very much, which I think is going to be able to serve them very well. And what Washington State also does well with regards to free throws made on a per-possession basis, they're in the top five in all of college basketball. They do a good job of being able to draw contact, USC is a team that, after Mobley down low, they do have Chavez Goodwin as well, but they don't necessarily have the world's greatest depth as well. I think that that's something that could wind up coming into play here as well when it comes to Washington State. I also like what I'm seeing out of Effie along with TJ Bomba. Bomba last year, when it came to road three-point shooting percentage, that was 71% among qualifying players. He was like number one in all of college basketball, so that was absolutely insane, but I do think that it's a Washington State team that is going to do a good job of being able to take care of the ball. They do not allow teams to be able to get what I always like to call live ball turnovers because you've got turnovers, but they're not all built equally. When you wind up just passing the ball out of bounds and then the other team has to drop an out-of-bounds play or something like that, that's not the same as being able to generate a seal, be able to run the floor, things like that. I think that that's something that always needs to be taken into account as well, but Wound up going with Washington State with my New York Post play today. Whenever I write these up, I always write just just to get the spread on this one. So might wind up being Washington State minus one. Might be a pick em, Might be them plus one. But I want to make it Washington State a five-and-a-half point favorite. So all those lines are good in my opinion. I think that Washington State should be able to get the job done. And I think that it's also very important to note. USC, free throw shooting, an issue. One of the biggest things I look at with regards to college basketball handicapping. I can't believe I haven't brought this up until now. Free throw shooting USC is in the bottom 10 in college basketball with that regard. When you wind up taking a team and it's going to be a very tight game, whether you think that they're going to cover three, whether you think that they're going to be right within it, like this is a pick em game, for instance, you always have to look at free throw shooting. How many times does it decide a game? And boy, USC has been flailing at the free throw line. So that is something and you want to be taking a look at it as well. So it's a spot in which I am going to be taking a look at Washington State in some form or capacity. Hopefully I can get them as a nice little bit of a money line underdog, but I think that they should be able to pull this one out. Another game that's going to be very fascinating because we've been taking a look at a lot of the earlier games. How about if we go with a little bit of a later one And One of the biggest surprises in college basketball. That would be Iowa State. They are going to be going on the road, and they're going to be facing off against a Creighton team that, I'll call it what it is, they have not been impressive this year. Creighton is finding themselves between a four and a half and a five point favorite and your total is anywhere between 138 and a half and 139 and a half. For one, TJ a guy that we're going to call what it is. He didn't wind up having a lot of success when he was out here in Las Vegas with UNLV. He has really been able to find it out there with Iowa State. I give him just all the credit in the world because I mean, after he wound up having those two years at UNLV, I wound up souring on him a little bit as a coach. He has been able to rebuild that reputation and then some. He is doing amazing work with the Cyclones. Keep in mind, Iowa State's perhaps most talented player, Xavier Foster, a guy that was a top 75 recruit, they had to kick him off the roster. Going into the year as well. So that's what Iowa State has been going through. Meanwhile, you've got a Creighton bunch of which I do like Ryan Nemard. Nemard is a freshman that he is turning the ball over a little bit too much, but he's able to give you right around 14 and a half points per game. Solid three point shooter, but this is a little bit of a different Creighton team. They've really been adapting to playing down low a little bit more. Ryan Kelkbrenner, Brenner, someone that stands right around seven foot one, comes from St. Louis, Missouri. He's been able to give the team right around 13 points, seven rebounds per game. So he's been able to do a nice job there. When it comes to this Creighton bunch, the free throw shooting, that's a concern that I have with them as well. You'll notice with a lot of my handicap. a lot of times if there's a team that's bad at the free throw line and you see a spread of like five, six, seven, guess who I'm not going with? The team that just flat out bricks them at the free throw line. And, and it's going to be the case here as well. Now, when it comes to this bunch, now, I mentioned a little bit earlier, has actually been halfway decent at the free throw line. And then you've got Ryan Hawkins as well, right around 12 points per game. He, though, has been doing a very solid job of being able to shoot from three as well, 36%. Arthur Kaluma, who has been seeing some minutes as freshman, he's been shooting 46% at the line. So that is always something that you do want to be taking note of. But when it comes to Iowa State, I don't know if they're going to be able to win this game outright. It's going to be a little bit of a different test than what they wound up having. Out there in New York when they wanted facing off against Memphis. This is a great team which They are going to be looking to pump the tempo up a little bit more. But I take a look at Isaiah Brockington. And I think that he's going to be able to keep the team in the game. 16 and a half points, seven and a half boards. He's been able to do a nice job there. And one of the most underrated freshmen in this class, Tyrese Hunter. The reason why we weren't talking about him is because he was going to Iowa State, but I ESPN 24-7 sports, they all had him rated in the top 50, and we're finding out why. A guy that's able to give you 12 points, five and a half assists, he has been nothing short of magnificent for this Iowa State team. He's able to do a good job when it comes to on-ball defending as well. Three steals per game. It's a big reason why Iowa State has been as successful as they have been this year because this is not an Iowa State team that necessarily has someone other than Brockington that's really able to take over a game. They don't necessarily have a bunch of firepower out there in the backcourt. They're shooting about 34% from three-point range. They don't necessarily do a whole ton of things special, but they turn you over. And Hunter has been a big reason why. This is a Creighton bunch of which the backcourt is solid. You've got Alex O'Connell, the Duke transfer. He's been able to do a nice job. He's been able to chip in their double figures. I mentioned it with Nemart as well. He does a good job of being able to notch points, but he's also a guy that turns the ball over as well. So, I do think that it's an Iowa State team that's going to be able to hold that bay. I want to make this a three-point line, personally. If you wind up playing this game on a neutral court, I would have it as a relative pick So, here in this spot, want to make a Creighton a three-point favorite. So, here at five, it's a take with the points with Iowa State. I wouldn't necessarily want to go on the money line with this one, but... I do think that they're going to be able to pull it out. When it comes to this total, I think that you wind up getting late game following, him let's call it what it is. It's a crane total, which is sub 140 at this point, so it's a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over with that as well, and we've got to be taking a look at a game between the tortoise and the hare. Colorado State is going to be playing against St. Mary's. Colorado State, third in the country in regards to offensive efficiency. St. Mary's has yet to allow 65 points a game this season. Something's got to give, and we have seen this total tick up. It began at 135. We're now seeing it between a 137.5 and a 138. And you're finding Colorado State is between a 4 and and 4.5 point on favorite And I do think that this is a relatively correct line, by the way. 663, 664 on the rotation number. I want to say Colorado State is a 5.5 point favorite. I think that just due to the sheer shooting that this team has and having the best player out there in David Roddy, who's able to give you 21.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, shooting 40% for three-point range, that you are going to see Colorado State be victorious. You got a pair of teams that... They just bring back darn near everything from last year. But when it comes to the total, very intriguing move because I want to making my total at 136 on the open. I was thinking a little bit more about the about the over, but when it comes to St. Mary's, I think that they're going to do a good job of being able to slow it down. I always think that it's easier to slow down a fast team than to speed up a slow team. So I'm going to be looking there when it comes to Colorado State versus St. Mary's. Now I've got to give you guys what are we going to be looking at with the NBA. That is up next right here on V-CIT. V-Sports Bank Network.
3: Seen
0: Hoops Peterson himself on v VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Follow the money is hitting the road next week. Mitch Boss and Polly Howard. They are going to be live from the new DraftKings Sportsbook at Foxwoods Casino. That is going to be from Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. If you are in the area, come down, meet the guys, and be sure to tune in every day, seven to ten p seven to ten a.m. Eastern Time. As right here on the Vegas Ads and Information Network. v every Monday through Friday. As This is the Greg Peterson Experience right here on v And we've been talking a lot about the college basketball slate that we've got for Saturday. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about it. Don't worry, we're going to hit a little bit more towards the back half of this hour. We're also going to be hitting upon it in the final hour as well. Refreshing the New York post play of the day for anyone that wanted missing it. And if you did wind up missing it as well. v you've got v best bets with regards to The podcast, you're able to find all these shows in podcast form every single hour of it. So, have no fear, we've got you covered in a wide variety of ways there. And we've got you covered with regards to a little bit of everything on this show as we got to dive into a little bit of NBA. Now, what is unfortunate with regards to the NBA is that most of you guys listening may not have an out to be able to bet on some of these NBA games that are going to be coming up for Saturday because I know that right now. With regards to the Nuggets versus the Knicks game, the only place I'm really seeing a line on it is DraftKings. Same goes for the Bucks versus Heat game, and that only has a total, not even a spread. So, I mean, you've got a little bit of hairiness there. It comes into play when you've got some of these teams, like the Clippers are playing it back-to-back. So it does make things a little bit difficult, but we do have some pretty set numbers when it comes to this one. Spurs versus the Golden State Warriors. Warriors, fresh off of being able to just take down the Phoenix Suns or find themselves as 10 to 10 and a half point favorites with your total between a 219 and a 220. Now for one, when it comes to the NBA, we have actually seen a little bit of an uptick when it comes to these totals. Still overall for the NBA this season, north of 55 games, 55% of games have gone under the total, but over the last seven days, we have seen 29 overs to 21 unders. So you've seen actually a 58% Hit rate right with regards to the over. So it seems like players are starting to adjust. Bookmakers, they certainly have as well. So and it's something that you do want to be keeping in mind because prior to that, Unders have been hitting like wildfire in the NBA. But with that said, when you take a look at the side, I think 10 might be a little bit too lofty here for the Golden State Warriors. You know that Popovich is always gonna have his guys up for these sorts of games. When it comes to Golden State Warriors, you are going to be having a bunch as of coming off of a very emotional win. They looked very good. In this game against the Phoenix Suns, it was a little bit of a revenge game for them as well when it comes to the Golden State Warriors. But I've really been impressed by this team with more than anything else. It's just the sheer depth of them as well. Because this is a team in which I did wind up having my question marks with regards to how would they be able to survive without having Clay Thompson in the fold for the beginning part of the season. James Wiseman has been dealing with an injury as well. And the answer has been whole lot of Jordan Poole for one he's been able to register right around 18 points per game obviously you know what you're able to get out of Andrew Wiggins but it's been some of these guys coming off the bench like Gary Payton the second Friday night wound up having a double digit amount of points Juan Toscano Anderson I mean that's a guy that wound up playing for Marquette and i did not recognize him to start with because of the Toscano part in his last name, but he wound up being able to erupt for 17 points. So, I mean, you've got a whole bunch of guys that have been able to do an absolutely incredible job of being able to fill the role for the Warriors, but you wonder how long it's going to be before some of these guys perhaps wind up getting a little bit figured out. As we know, Seth Curry, he's doing Seth Curry things. He wound up hitting six threes again last night for a lot of guys. That'd be a career game for him. It's just a casual another weekend night, but with with the Golden State Warriors as well, but I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for them. How are they going to be able to match up with the with the San Antonio Spurs on the glass, I do think that the Spurs have a little bit of upside with that regard. And if they are going to be able to cover this summer, it is going to be having them being able to win that battle down low. I do think that they're going to be able to do a halfway decent job of that. You have been able to get quite a bit recently out of DeJounte Murray. I mean, this is someone that has come in, and he's been absolutely tremendous with all facets of it. 19 points, a nap boards, a nap assist. He's one of the most underrated players in the NBA right now. It has been amazing to watch him. Still needs a little bit of work with regards to his three-point shot, but that seems to be coming along for the ride a little bit as well when it comes to the Spurs team. It certainly hasn't been the world's greatest year for them, but after they wound up starting out 4-13, and 13, they've now been able to run off three straight wins, and the defense has really been the key to it. In these last three wins, they have held their opponents to fewer than 100 points prior to that. In their, I believe it was a six-game losing streak, they had it up at least 100 in every one of them. So if you're liking the Spurs, you're probably liking the under, and vice versa. If you think that this is going to be a high-scoring game, it certainly is going to favor the Golden State Warriors. I do think that the Spurs are going to be able to play some good hard-nosed defense with Keldon Johnson as well. This is someone that has went under the radar. He's been a nice find as he was a little bit more of... A guy that wound up going under the radar, I think, is a proper way of putting it Why was that Kentucky. He's now been able to give the team 15 points, six and a half rebounds, and how many times have we said that about guys that wound up coming out of Kentucky? It's like, wow, he averaged like eight points per game at Kentucky, and now here he is in the NBA just putting up numbers, so I always think that that's absolutely hilarious, but I'd say Spurs team that they have been dealing with some injuries, but they have been able to get healthier recently, which I think is so important because, I mean, even in this win streak as well, Jakob Pertle. He's been able to do a nice job down low for this team. Nine plus rebounds in each of the last five games. Not a guy that necessarily has a lot of flash, but he knows his role, does a good job. able to clog things up down low, is a good rim protector. So, I do take a look at this, and I sort of correlate it myself. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game, especially with the Warriors coming off of a back-to-back. I do think that this is a good spot for the Spurs. I don't know if they're going to be able to extend their win streak to four here, but I do think that they're going to be able to do a nice job of be able to hang in there. So I take a look at this spot, and I do think that there's value with catching double digits with a hot Spurs team against a Warriors team that they wound up having a very emotional game on Friday night. So I take a look at that, and I correlate that with the under as well. Another game that is pretty widely available, that would be the Bulls versus the Brooklyn Nets game. As we're seeing it right now, the Nets are finding themselves as a three-point favorite in your total, saying anywhere between a 219.5 and a 220. And when it comes to this Brooklyn Nets team, I just haven't necessarily been as bullish on them as many other people. Now, when it comes to the Nets, I do think that they are going to be a rock solid bunch, but they're another team that's going to be playing a back-to-back in this spot. When it comes to the Nets, obviously you've had, your big two as of right now i always want to say big three but at this point it's a big two with kevin durant along james harden they wound up combining for 50 points 15 assists yesterday and they really did it at the free throw line they didn't make a single three and that went against the minnesota timberwolves ar team that they're able to get a little bit crafty with that but when you just take a look at this nets team in general you do need to get a little bit more out of some of these ancillary pieces lamarcus aldrich has been able to be better than he was the last few years when he was with the Spurs, but he still has a little bit of a defensive liability out there as well. So I think that that is something that winds up hurting this team a tad. When you take a look at what you're able to get other the Chicago Bulls as well, this has been a team that, You thought that they were going to be able to put it together a little bit more last year. They weren't able to, but they've come out this year and they've looked very solid. They've been able to play very well on the road as well, which adds a little bit of a testament to the coaching job. And what else has been really impressive is that Patrick Williams for this team wound up going out very early on this year. I believe it was five games in and even without him because he was looked at as being that high upside guy. This team has still been relatively solid. Nikolai Vucevic has missed a couple games, but been all about tomorrow DeRozan Rosen along Zach Levine, a combined 52 points per game out of these two guys. They both give you right around five and a half rebounds. They both give you four assists. They both put their socks on the same exact way as well. So it has been amazing to be able to watch those two. And the Lonzo Ball, how about the emergence from him? Because in his first year in the NBA, he was shooting darn near 30% from three-point range. He was that guy with a funky shot. He couldn't wind up being able to get it to go. He's now shooting 43% from three-point range. That has really been great. And I don't think it can be understated how big Alex Caruso has been for this team because it's not like he's going to go out there and he's going to give you 20 points. It's not like he's going to give you like 10 steals or anything like that, but he's just that energizer bunny. He plays hard. He gives the team a little bit of toughness. When you've got a Midwest team like the Bulls, they always need that little bit of infusion of energy. And he has certainly been able to deliver that. I mean, despite the fact that you've had so many of you guys wind up missing time, He has been a big concept for this team. Now, I do think that moving forward, you're going to need to get a little bit more of something out of someone like an Iota Sumo, Javante Green. He is now in health and safety protocols. So that is something that's going to be hampering this team a little bit. But I do think that this is a bull team that, at minimum, they're going to be able to hang within the number. I think that they should be able to get this one done outright personally. I would like to see how this line winds moving because now having green and health and safety protocols, that does change things a little bit. Maybe you wind up getting half a point on the Bulls as a result, but I do think that this is a Nets team, in which they're just a little bit shallow with regards to their depth, and I do think that this could be a good one to wind up in gaming as well because with the Nets, what we're noticing with these guys is that they are very streaky when it comes to their three-point shooting. When they are on, they are on. And when they are off, it's just a case in which they're not really getting anything to go as well. So I think that that would be a really good approach to take with this game. I always say it with the NBA because it has the most volatile runs in general. So I do think that that is a good way to be able to approach it. And I mean, you just take a look at what wound up happening in the NBA on Friday as well. You wound up seeing a whole bunch of overs. So if you were able to fire in on a lot of those games, a lot of them were decided by... Pretty much right near the number. It is one of those cases in which you were able to grab some very big numbers. Now we aren't going to be seeing a lot of these teams in action on Saturday. It's a little bit more of a light one, but I did catch my eye that you did wind up seeing the Pelicans be able to get a 107 to 91 win. And now you've got a Mavericks team that they are certainly interesting to say the least. They're going to be playing against the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to be touching upon that game a little bit more on the other side. And here towards back half the hour as well. We're going to be touching upon just some of these NFL division races, as well as those are heating up as well. So, going to be talking a little bit more NBA and NFL on the other side, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience, and that is right here on Veasan, the Sports Betting Network. You're
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on Veasan, the Sports Betting Network.
4: The Beeson Holiday offer is here right now when you sign up for our $99 mid-season football special. You'll also receive a $20 credit to the Decent store. Get all of our expert sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season plus $20. dollars to be able to buy Beeson sports betting hats, shirts, mugs, and other great gear. Hurry up. This is a little time offer. So sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift, and that is at VSIN.com. Slash subscribe as we're back here on the Greg Peterson experience at We've got a great one going on right now. Shout out to all the people behind the scenes doing a great job with this show. Wyatt, my producer. You've got Nick Wells. You've got Brad, who sets me up on audio. All, over, all you guys. Big shout out to you guys. Without them, you would not be seeing my face on your TV. All the wonderful graphics. You would not be hearing me on the radio side of things. So, These are the guys that wind up making the magic happen. And we're going to try to make some magic happen with this as well. As you've got the Memphis Grizzlies against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, there aren't a lot of places that right now have this number up, but the places that I'm seeing have this up. Right now have the Mavericks as a five-point favorite in your total of 215. And I think that this is just such an interesting spot because you've got a Grizzlies team that they wound up having literally the most lopsided win in the history of basketball when they wound up taking down the Thunder by kind of 152 to 79. I should say NBA basketball because I still remember when Mississippi Valley State wound up losing by, I think it was like 90 against Utah. And well, you're not going to see that anytime too soon. At least we hope so. But when it comes to this Grizzlies team, they're without John Morant, but they still do have a relatively good nucleus around them. You take a look at that game against the Thunder, by the way, they wound up playing. I believe it was 12 different players in that game and all but two of them got to at least nine points. That is just insane. I'm going to go out here on a limb right now and say that we are not going to be seeing a duplication of that, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is a guy that is able to help out this Grizzlies team. He's able to give the team 16 points, 5.5 boards, a guy that has some size, is able to shoot it relatively solidly from three-point range. And while I do think that the Grizzlies are going to have a shot in this game it's just because you've got a guy in Luka Doncic that He does a great job of being able to take over the game with his scoring. He does a little bit of everything with his little bit of everything. He also turns the ball over a lot. He's had at least four turnovers, in now each of the team's last six games, which I think that that is something that really needs to be taken note of. Now, when you have the ball in your hands a little bit more, obviously you are going to be turning it over a little bit more, but it is something that I think is just so interesting to take a look at when it comes to this Mavericks team as well. You have been able to have Kristaps Porzingis look a little bit better this year than he did last year as well, and, of these other ancillary pieces have been able to come through for the team, but when it comes to this Dallas Mavericks team I've been starting to sour on them a little bit and what I think is just going to be so critical for this Grizzlies team is just being able to hold down the fort as long as John Morant is out of the fold now you take a look at this Grizzlies team they themselves have been actually very good at being able to take care of the ball which I do think is going to be a little bit of a factor here when it comes to this Dallas Mavericks bunch I just think that it is going to be a case in which you're going to have these ancillary pieces come in, and I just don't know if they're going to be able to help out enough in this game to be able to get the team to the cover. You've had a couple of ailments with the team as well. Chris House Verzingis has been missing for a few games already this season. You've also had Trey Burke in and out of the fold, along with like a Maxi Keebler. He's been able to give the team right around eight points per game. He's been able to come back recently, and he's looked relatively solid as well. But you certainly have had sort of a turnstile when it comes to this Dallas Mavericks team with guys being missing, being in and out of the fold. And part of the handicap with this as well is Christophs Verzingas is remain as anti-air quotes here day-to-day as well. So he may or may not wind up playing in this game. And if he doesn't wind up playing, what are you going to be able to get out of Dorian Finney-Smith? What are you going to be able to get out of Dwight Powell? So it's certainly a case of which I do think that there's a little bit of value here with the Grizzlies if you wind up seeing... Poor gets ruled out, then there's even more value when it comes to the seam. But I certainly do think that it is a case in which the Grizzlies are going to be able to get to a Mavericks seam that they might be coming in for a little bit of a letdown. Now, the Grizzlies could be in a letdown spot as well because, well, they literally had the biggest win in the history of the NBA. But I think that that is actually going to be a little bit of a motivator for a team that they are a little bit younger. They're looking for just. Reasons to be motivated, and that is going to be able to give them a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. So I take a look at that with regards to the NBA card for this Saturday, and we got to be taking a look at as well is some NFL, because obviously we don't have any NFL action that is going to be going down on Saturday, but we do have some futures to take a look at. And on the show tomorrow, we're going to be taking a whole big giant look at the football slate. We're going to be breaking down all these games, what have you, but. When it comes to the divisions, I do think that there's a lot of intrigue here as well. The one that is really catching my eye right now is the AFC East because you're seeing at so many of these books, DraftKings is no different. They still have the Buffalo Bills currently as a favorite in this division. You're finding them at DraftKings at minus 140 with the Patriots. You're getting them at a plus 115. Dolphins are at 100 to one. And then if you're taking the New York Jets, well, there's I don't even know if you've got Lloyd Christmas Siri on your side. I don't know if they're mathematically able to be able to win the division at this point, so they're pretty much a dead team walking. But I do take a look at the Buffalo Bills, and I've soured on them a little bit because this is a Buffalo Bills team that they don't necessarily do a, the best job of being able to get to the passer. Meanwhile, the Patriots, I figured that it would take a little bit of time for this team to mesh because I feel like what a lot of us wound up forgetting is that this is a little bit of a wholesale Patriots team that they wound up signing a whole bunch of pieces in the offseason. Now they have been able to really come to the forefront. They have been able to really be able to make their impact, and when it comes to this defense of the Patriots, it has been one of the best in the NFL. When it comes to yards per game, the Buffalo Bills are actually ranking number one, so I've got to give them A little bit of kudos there, but a big reason why they have been falling a little bit is because you do wind up having a situation in which you've got Josh Allen starting to turn the ball over a little bit more. The run game hasn't necessarily been as explosive as they would like him for the Patriots. They are number two in the AFC with regards to yards allowed per game behind the Buffalo Bills, so they've been able to do a good job on that front. Meanwhile, you take a look at this Buffalo Bills team in general, and what I think is Really hurting them is the fact that they were able to beat up on some good opponents early on in the season. They wound up being opportunistic, in my opinion, when they wanted playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now you can't take away the fact that they wanted being able to get all those wins and everything. But when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, it's just one of those cases in which they're not during, they're not taking care of the ball as well. And what I love about the Patriots right now is the fact that Mac Jones isn't having to play outside of himself. He's gaining more and more confidence by the week. I just feel like it's the exact opposite. For the Bills at this point, you've got a Bills team which you do have a guy in Singletary, Devin Singletary, who's been able to give you right around four and a half yards per carry. So able to do a relatively solid job there. But you tell that this is just a team of which it feels like the wind is going out of their sails a little bit. They were able to get that nice win against the Saints on Thanksgiving. But certainly that's a team that is going in the absolute r- wrong direction. So that's a little bit of an issue. And with the Bills, it feels like. They're just not necessarily taking care of business the way that they need to against some of these lesser teams. We wound up seeing that in their game <clears throat> in their game against the Jacksonville Jaguars as that was a nine to six game and they just couldn't find any offense whatsoever. So I mean it's been really intriguing to take a look at them and what else I think is gonna be really intriguing with regards to some of these divisional odds as well, is that I wound up talking a little bit earlier about the bills what else i think is going to be another fascinating one is the afc north because out there in the afc north you've got the baltimore ravens you're finding them at a minus 175 on draftkings and then from there you've got two teams that are very competitive with the bengals and the browns browns are at 9 to 1 bengals are at plus 200 and then you've got the pittsburgh steelers finding themselves at 30 to 1 but when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I actually do think that they could be somewhat live when it comes to this one with regards to the Baltimore Ravens. I do think that they are rightfully the favorite right now when it comes to the odds because you do have a Ravens team which they wound up having that bad performance a few weeks ago against the Miami Dolphins. But even when they didn't wind up having Lamar Jackson in the fold in that game against the Bears, now it is against the Bears. They were able to get that win. It's a Ravens team that I do think that they are going to be able to get a little bit more and more out of some of their skill pieces around Lamar Jackson as the season goes along it does feel like they're gaining a little bit of chemistry and nine to one I just cannot look at the Browns at this point you tell that Baker Mayfield has become almost a liability at this point I hate to say it but is Case Keenum much of a fall off from Baker Mayfield at this point I don't think so and When it comes to this Ravens team, you would have been able to get a little bit more out of Javante Freeman recently as well. When it comes to the defense of the Ravens, it is always relatively solid as well. And I mean, if I were to do it right now at 30 to one, I think that there's a whole lot more value on the Steelers. Now I would not be, I would not be betting the Steelers personally, but when it comes to these Steelers, it certainly is a case in which I just feel like they are going to be a little bit more of a better long play for them as well, because with the Steelers, you always have the coaching of Mike Tomlin. He always is able to get his team up for these sorts of late season runs he's able to do a good job when it comes to being able to maneuver you've got a veteran quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger that at this point he can be a little bit of a liability but he's sort of have been there done that sort of guy Najee Harris has not necessarily been able to have the world's greatest season but they keep giving him opportunities it does feel like he's been able to get more and more traction with regards to being able to find some holes as well as the offensive line that is very young has been able to break themselves in as well but when it comes to the AFC North, it would be a take on the Ravens. And really, at 2-1, to one, I don't think you're getting enough value with the Bengals because I do expect a little bit of a fall off for them. I think that they're going to be figured out. What else we're going to try to figure out as well? A little bit more value on the NFL futures board and some college basketball as well. That is going to be coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on v the Sports Bank Network.
0: Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: We've got a brand new prop tracker right here on VCN's way. You're able to keep up with all the key NFL props, whether that be odds to be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year. You're able to track them all by heading over to vcin.com to be able to get the current odds as well as the movement on each line each week to be able to follow all the trends and be able to find the best value. Check out Prop Tracker, Betting Splits, Key Trends, Matchup Data, and so much more for everything with regards to the NFL, and that is at vcin.com slash NFL as we are back here in Las Vegas, more specifically Circus Sportsbook. It is the Greg Peterson experience, and we're taking a look at some of these props that we've got with regards to NFL odds. To be able to win the division. Now, some of these have turned into a little bit of a runaway. But if you're looking at one of these divisions in which you have a, in which you have a team that is, I would say. We're going to call the line of demarcation ten to one or more because you got a few of these. The NFC South with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just running away with it. I don't think that there's any value there with the Cowboys at minus a thousand at the NFC East. If they would have lost on Thursday night football, there would have been at this point. There's nothing there with it. I don't think that Washington football team, the Eagles, especially not the Giants, are going to be able to sneak up and they're going to be able to win the division. The Packers, there's just no hope for anyone out there in that division. But The one where I do wind up seeing some value, that'd be the Tennessee Titans. Titans are right now minus 2,500 to be able to win the AFC South. They have not looked good recently, and you've got a Colts team at 10-1 to that they've been able to look relatively solid. Now, if you're betting on 1,000-1, to the Texans and the Jaguars, I really don't know what to tell you. You might have a little bit of better luck on a scratch-off ticket. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, you're betting on... Urban Meyer is probably going to be getting canned at the end of the year if the Jaguars know what's best for them. And a Houston Texan team in which, shutting out their Tyrod Taylor. So, I mean, that's not too much better. But when it comes to this Colts team, I do think that they're set up with a schedule that it's not necessarily favorable, but it's also not necessarily unfavorable. And the way that the Titans have looked ever since Derek King Henry wound up going down, it has me concerned about them quite a bit because Derrick Henry really was a heart and soul piece. Among non-quarterbacks, I would say that he was the most impactful offensive player in the NFL. I don't think that I'm being too rash in saying that. Now, with the Colts, they should be able to pick up a win this week. They are playing against the Houston Texans, so that'll bring them to 7-6 in the division, and they're going to have to do quite a bit of work to be able to make up what the Titans have already been able to build because the Titans are currently 8-4, but in a two-game differential, it's not like they're having a climb Mount Everest here or anything like that now with the Titans as well they were able to get a win earlier in the season against Colts, and as a matter of fact they want to have both of those games but when it comes to the Titans here's their upcoming schedule the Jacksonville Jaguars they are terrible the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road that is tricky I talked about it in the last segment you never want to be doubting a Mike Tomlin coach team he's gonna get his team up for that you got the San Francisco 49ers who are playing some better football you got a Dolphins team that At the beginning of the year, they looked absolutely terrible, but now with Tua playing a little bit better, he's been been throwing for about 70.5% with regards to his completion rate. He's really been able to come along. He's been able to do a better job. And then you got the Texans on the road now. The Texans on the road, that's not necessarily a game that should have them worried. But when it comes to the Titans, not liking what I'm seeing right now out of Ryan Tannehill because Tannehill was actually a guy that Coming into the year, he had some of the best numbers of any quarterback since he had wound up going to the Titans. He was on that list with guys like Aaron Rodgers. He was up there even with a guy like a Patrick Mahomes, obviously a little bit below them, but he was actually one of the better passers in the NFL. You take a look at him ever since Sarah Henry went down. A combined five interceptions the last two weeks. I mean, he has not looked good to say the least and I have my massive concerns when it comes to the Titans defense as well because this is one of the worst units out there in the NFL. Now, they've been able to make a little bit of improvement here in recent weeks, but it's not a bunch that I want to be necessarily hitching my wagon to. Right now, you've got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on injured reserve. Obviously, Derrick Henry is out for the year. The offensive line, it's solid. It's not necessarily great, as we saw Taylor Luan wind up giving up five sacks in week one. And then on the defensive side or the Tennessee Titans, you've got all sorts of question marks with guys like Janoris Jenkins, along with Sean Evans and company. They've all been dealing with ailments, so it is, a team that is all of a sudden getting banged up, and with the Indianapolis Colts, I don't think that he's going to be able to win MVP in Jonathan Taylor. I think that that's a little bit rash, but he's been able to do a terrific job on the ground for this team. You've got Carson Wentz, who we all forget a few years ago, prior to that injury in Los Angeles, this guy was an MVP candidate, and he has been able to be really efficient for this team. He's did wind up having the two interceptions last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but... That Buccaneers defense, I do feel like is a little bit underrated. Took them a little bit of time to be able to find their footing and it appears as though they've been able to do so. And when it comes to this Colts team as well, I do think what is going to be very big for them is that their defense has been able to improve a little bit during the season as well because with the Colts, they wound up having a bunch of ailments on that side of the ball as well. Being able to have a healthy Darius Leonard is big. He's one of the best linebackers out there in the NFL. If he's not the best, he's at minimum a top five guy. Now, Nick Nelson along with Kyrie Willis being out in the secondary that is going to be hurting them a little bit, but Quiddie Pay is someone that I had some very high expectations for coming into the year. It's only been able to give the team three sacks. He hasn't necessarily been able to live up to his billing. I think that he's going to be able to perform a little bit better as the season goes along to Forrest Buckner. has been dealing with a couple of ailments as well. You expected a little bit more from him as well. So I do think that if these guys on the front seven for the Colts wind up playing a little bit better, which I do expect them to, there's going to be a little bit of value with them because when it comes to the Colts, they do have... A schedule in which it's neither here nor there, in my opinion. I think that a lot of people are going to look at it and they're going to probably think it's a little bit more difficult than I do. Now, mentioned it a little bit earlier, playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that is going to be a that playing against the Jacksonville Jaguars towards back half of the season. That is obviously going to be a very winnable game, but you do take a look at the rest of the schedule. For the Indianapolis Colts, they wind up wrapping up the season with that one. They used the Texans game. They should be able to get a W there. With the Patriots, I think that they're relatively solid. And at the Cardinals on Christmas, I think is really going to be the critical one. If they're able to win that game, all of a sudden they're going to have some traction because you've got a Raiders team that I don't expect a lot out of them from the back half of the season just because with the Raiders, they've been hit by everything. They were hit by John Gruden winding up having the whole email scandal wind up going down. So now you've got an interim coach. You wind up having the Henry Ruggs situation. And I didn't think that the Raiders were necessarily that great to start with. I do like what Derek Carr has been able to bring to the table, but certainly that is a little bit of an interesting circumstance. And when it comes to the AFC West as well, I just think that there's no value on the Raiders at twelve to one. When it comes to the Broncos at eight to one I will gladly pass. I think that this is Chiefs and Chiefs only. I think that they had to find themselves a little bit, and I think that they have been able to do so. When it comes to the Chargers, I do like the story that Justin Herbert has been able to put together. You've got Austin Eckler does a great job in the backfield as well, but I do feel like with the Chargers, it's a squad in which, The defense is relatively solid, but they sometimes have their big giant hiccups. You saw that in their game against the Browns, in which you wound up having that massive shootout. They just weren't able to guard anyone out there. You've got a guy in Keenan Allen that does a great job when it comes to being a good, solid number one as well. But I do take a look at the Chargers and the Chargers late in games. It doesn't matter who the coach is. They've always had a little bit of a difficult time with that. We saw them lose that game to the Cowboys. We wound up seeing that earlier in the season against the Patriots as well, so... I always have those trepidations You can change out the coach and everything like that, but when you've got a roster of guys that they sort of have that tendency to wind up falling short a little bit in games, that is something that is a little bit concerning. So I do think that it's a case in which it's the Chiefs and the Chiefs only with regards to the AFC West. And when it comes to some of the other divisions as well, I was mentioning it with like the NFC South, with the NFC North. I mean, those are just... Pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered. I don't have anything on those, so I have to give you guys a little bit of something different because we're going to stay out there in the northeast part of the country, a part of the country that didn't wind up getting much love with regards to the with regards to the futures in the NFL. And we've got to take a look at a game that I think is going to be really intriguing out there in the ACC between Wake Forest and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is finding themselves as an eight and a half to a nine and a half point favorite, and your this game is saying between 134.5 and 135.5, and when it comes to this Virginia Tech team, I don't understand why their turtles are right now being set so high because with Virginia Tech, this is one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball ever since Mike Young has taken over. And then you've got to wait for a team that I actually do have a lot of admiration for. I do think that Steve Forbes is one of the more underrated coaches in college basketball. If you're looking on the rotation, by the way, this is 635-636. I personally did wind up making Virginia Tech a 10-point favorite, and they wound up opening up a 10-point favorite. Now they're anywhere between 8.5 and, and 9, so makes it a play for me. Here on Virginia Tech, because I do think that Naheem Aleem along the Kevy Aluma, a pair of guys, they're giving you right around 25 and a half points per game. are going to be able to do a solid job against a wake for a team that you've got Williams and Williamson. Alondis Williams is shooting 36% from three. He's been able to give you right around 18 points per game. Davion Williamson, more like 14 points per game. It's been a very good sharp shooter for the team. But what I think is really going to be the key for Virginia Tech is that now Storm Murphy has been able to do a good job as a little bit more of a primary facilitator for the team when it comes to Virginia Tech as well. The cat this is a team of which they do take a little bit of a positionless basketball approach. Justin Mutz just does it all for this team as well. So I take a look at this spot. I do think that the total was set a little bit too low and I think that or the total was set a little bit too high. I do think that the money is coming in the wrong way. So taking a look at Virginia Tech and I am going to be taking a look at the under in this spot. And coming up next we're going to be taking a look at these conference championship games in college football. It's officially going to be Saturday in all the continental 48 states which means that it's a college football football Saturday right here on VSIN, the sports Bank Network.
1: Hey Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool.